we can use music as a way to express all of the complex emotions that we go through to, again, just say that you're not alone. Mm. You are not alone. <laughs> <laughs> I am here with you. <laughs> yeah. Hi. Oh, hi. <laughs> I never say hi, Dustin, but today we're saying hi, Dustin. Hi, Crystal. <laughs> And hi, me searchers. You're <laughs> listening to the Me Search podcast, and we are your hosts. My name is Dustin Domingo. And I'm Crystal Tugatti. On this show, we have critical, messy, and fun conversations with each other, with friends, and with leaders in the community. Together, we'll unpack important issues, learn, and unlearn what we think we know about what it means to be Filipino. And something we've talked a ton about on the show. Um, and on social media is the importance of decolonization work. Today, we're going to explore how our voice is integral to this journey of decolonization. And today, we're going to be talking to Dr. Kiernan Kiki Steiner, aka Kiki, um, a voice alchemist, choral conductor, and a decolonization coach who activates creativity through releasing shame around the voice, our soul's unique frequency. And Dr. Kiki blends their knowledge of the voice, sound energy, and decolonization, and connects ancestral wisdom in order to guide others to creative liberation. She also collaborates with other coaches, healers, and facilitators to create online courses and workshops for holistic community education and healing. So everybody on MeSearch, welcome Dr. Kiki! Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being here. I am a fan. <laughs> <laughs> so happy that you're on the show and having a moment where we can connect and learn from you and understand our voice a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited. Yes, yeah. So why is it important for us to connect with our voice as we decolonize? I feel like that might be maybe the last thing we might think about when we're thinking about decolonization work, but tell us, tell us more. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, you know, I've been singing my entire life. And so the voice has been so important to me, um, just as a way to connect with myself and my body and my story. Um, but, you know, as I was starting to learn more about decolonization, I really felt like it was all about storytelling, right? But not just telling our stories as we always have, but more of a retelling of our stories where that acknowledges colonization, patriarchy, white supremacy, and how um, our stories are actually more interconnected with our people um, by acknowledging those systems of oppression that um, we've all experienced through being colonized. So it's a retelling of our story is decolonization and what do we need to share our story but our voice right mm -hmm. and so um there has to be a connection where we can stay grounded in our voice and feel that conviction and confidence in our voice while we're telling that story because there's so much that comes up in decolonization through our emotions and 
you know, we've talked about shame even already <laughs> in the in the bio that I shared, right? Um, that it can be really difficult to to open up and be vulnerable and honest about um our particular stories and how it connects to our family stories and our origins. And so um, I, I think it's one of the most powerful tools to um, decolonize because it it is so authentically us. There's, there's nothing else um, to me, at least, especially as a vocalist, that the, the voice is, is us, right? Like there's no, no one else has this voice, but you and, that's so beautiful. Ah, Kiki, I think it's so cool that you're a singer because like Crystal and I are both singers and stereotypically that's such a Filipino thing. <laughs> and I love that we're able to find connections with something that's very closely tied to like the fun part of our culture into something that is important to like our liberation and understanding where we come from and like the history of how it is we came to be here, why it is we feel the way we feel and how we are receiving the world. Um, can you elaborate a little bit more about the connection between finding our voice or identifying our voice and like why there might be shame tied to that process? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, I think really ultimately colonization tries to silence us. Hmm. Um, the colonizer wants to silence us from telling our truth and connecting us to our culture and using our voices as a way to protest that, that colonization. Um, and so the voice is so critical to us being able to embody and to, uh, fight back, but also stand our ground, um, in ourselves, um, as individuals to, you know, in in small ways, which aren't small at all, right? But like ways that we set boundaries with one another and advocate for ourselves and uh, stand up for others, right? Um, it's really easy for us to lose connection to our voice um, and say that we care about Black Lives Matter and um, want to be an ally to the LGBTQ plus community, but if we aren't actually using our voice and standing up in, in real ways and, and taking up space with our voice, it's very easy to just be assimilated into the majority culture, right? Which has, mm -hmm. has been white culture for us. So um, the voice is so integral to us creating change um, through through taking up space with our voice. Ah, <sighs> the voice. <laughs> um can you can you maybe talk about a moment where like early on through your decolonization work that um you f you put shame aside and just said I'm gonna say something <laughs> and how that how that maybe felt in your body and like what that moment was for you yeah, absolutely. So um, my story is really interesting. And I, I'm so glad I'm going to pull kind of what Dustin was just talking about, too, about, um, you know, being a singer and and how that it's like inherently Filipino to be a singer and a vocalist. Um, but, you know, 
I was adopted at six weeks old um, and was completely disconnected from my Filipino culture. I didn't know I was Filipino for most of my life until I literally took an ancestry DNA test. So this is all uh, fairly new to me um, to be able to be making these connections, which is why it's been so powerful of an experience for me. Um, but when I started to open up about my adoption um, through my reunion with my biological father, who's Filipino, um, I could feel weight just being lifted off of my body because there was finally a time where I was not thinking about everyone else and how my story would impact them. I was just telling my story for the liberation of myself to finally set myself free to say, this is the truth. And this is how I see the world from my perspective and my lived experience, not to hurt anyone, not to place blame, but to just be honest with myself first and foremost, but to share that with others. And in the process, other people were saying, Oh, I've experienced that too. Like I met other Filipino transracial adoptees by sharing my story. And I found out that I'm not alone in this world, that my lived experience is yes, unique to me, but also connects me to others. And that was so powerful that it ultimately, I believe, saved my life because I was able to see that I wasn't alone and that there was power in community. And ultimately that's how I, I started to heal. I love hearing your story about how you found your way to, I'll say the Filipino culture, even though we all know that there's no right way or one way to be Filipino. But I, I'm so drawn to this idea that even though you just recently discovered that I guess biologically you have um you come from like Filipino heritage, Filipino blood, but still your experience is so connected, like your lived experience up to the point that you discovered that you're Filipino, that there's still so many Filipino things about it. Yes, absolutely. Like Literally, there are mo moments in my childhood where I was like 12 years old in my basement singing karaoke by myself. <laughs> and I'm like, I look back, I'm like, oh my gosh, I was being so Filipino. <laughs> and I had, no, uh, you know, and I was like, I was just like calling in this community. Like, I want people to like sing and celebrate with. And, you know, I always dreamed of this community that was like all about food and singing and, you know, being together in, in Capua and Pamelia. Right. And, and, you know, finally, like it started to make sense once I was able to put you know, the pieces together. Um, and it just reminded me that my ancestors have always been with me. Oh I've never been alone. I was never disconnected from who I truly am. Um, the spirit of my ancestors have followed me no matter where I was taken to and, and adopted into that, that power and spirit of, of, my Filipino ancestors have just always been really present. Magic. <laughs> Truly. Absolute like magic. So 
it's almost like so we've been talking about like the the like the physical voice and like the voice that we can audibly hear but it seems as though like that inner voice Mm -hmm. has always lived inside you calling you saying hey and the ancestors calling, hey, mm-hmm. <laughs> go sing mm-hmm. that karaoke, girl. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yes. That, and that's a, such a great point that you make. It's not just the the physical loud voice that we think of. It is the inner voice to listen to ourselves, to listen to that gut feeling that we have. Mm-hmm. And, and whatever that message is or whatever that calling is, however that comes to you, and, and listening to that following your heart truly because that is and and I think that's what the colonizer also wants us to ignore right wants to ignore all of these um the intuition um and the the physical feelings that we can't really just explain but we just know is there and once we follow that I at least in my experience that has been what has changed my life for the better but for the better over and over again my god that's powerful that is so powerful and amazing and magical again back to the magic (laughs) Um, absolutely you know how like as singers (laughs) like when we listen back to our voice um it sounds weird (laughs) or it doesn't Mm -hmm. really sound like us Mm-hmm. Has this work at all allowed you to be more accepting about listening back to your voice? Because I wonder if there's a connection to that. Oh, that is honestly something that comes up in my work all the time. And I haven't been able to fully let go of that. I think everyone, you know, struggles with that in, in some way or form. But the truth is, when we listen back to ourselves on a recording, the reason why it sounds so different is really like a, a scientific kind of thing. It's because our voice, when we're speaking, vibrates a certain way in our head, and we hear that a cer- in a certain way. And then when we record that on a device, the electronics record it at a slightly different frequency. And so... There's nothing that's wrong with our voice. It truly sounds different because of the electronic recording device. Oh, my gosh. Science, man. (laughs) Nobody really explains that to us, you know, in the world. But that truly is why it sounds different. And I don't know if there's really anyone that fully gets over that. (laughs) But... At least knowing that I can let go a little bit more, right? And that's what I'm always trying to work towards is just like releasing a little bit more of that need to control and to contort and manipulate and just accept and let, let myself understand that it's really about the, the act of singing and expressing that's most important. And however that comes through is the medicine that I need in that moment. So we're talking a lot about music, obviously. Mm-hmm. And again, so interesting that we're able to find the intersection between music and like social advocacy, basically. Crystal, you had mentioned like, that's not necessarily 
where we go in our minds when we think music or singing. So I guess, Dr. Kiki, as you've been doing this work in music and decolonization in the intersection of both of those things, like mm-hmm. what do you feel like is the most surprising thing that you found in that time? Mm, that's a really great question. Um you know, I think there's a lot of things that surprise me, honestly. <laughs> um, because when I set out to to learn about music and, you know, like I said, I, I've sang my whole life. But um, when I set out to learn about music and specifically how to teach music to other people, to be a music educator, um, you know, my my desire was truly just to create community around singing music. Um, and and to give people a safe place to to land. Um, I always felt like I, I didn't belong, but choir was kind of that catch-all space um, for, for anyone that wanted to use their voice or express or, you know, it was kind of typically the misfits maybe <laughs> in the school that, that found themselves in choir, and I was definitely one of them. Um, but then, you know, as I started to dig deeper into all aspects of singing and and making music. Um, I found out that the the voice is how we self-regulate our nervous system. And that was really surprising to me. So, you know, we have used our voices for centuries, probably even, I don't even know what longer, but um, to soothe our babies, to, to, you know, communicate with one another. And when we hum and sing, our voice actually stimulates the vagus nerve. And the vagus nerve in the body is all about resting and digesting. And so it's really what tells the body that it's safe. It's safe enough to go to sleep. It's safe to digest your food. It's in a state of being where the body can focus on these these responses and these um, acts that allow our body to go through the processes that we need to, to, to stay alive, to be physically okay. (laughs) So what has been the most powerful thing for me really in the last year, year and a half of really thinking about that is that the voice is what we need to connect with, to, to bring ourselves back home to ourselves. That's amazing how it's like it can impact the way that your brain and nervous system that just blew my mind <laughs> right now. I'm and I'm like thinking, okay, that makes so much sense because I like to sing to make myself feel better. Mm-hmm. And now now I'm like making the connections of why that is like scientifically, biologically, mm-hmm. physiologically or whatever, like, mm-hmm. and there's, so there's a couple layers of that too, right? Like yeah. even just like the deep breathing that you have to do to sing, you uh-huh. have to take a deep breath to sing a phrase that yeah. right there helps relax the body. And then the vibration on top of that is stimulating the nervous system. So there's just, it's layer upon layer. And then when you sing in community, yeah. You have this social 
aspect to it where you're telling your body that you're safe to befriend the people that you're singing with, that these other folks that are making the same sounds as you, they're also in a state where they're wanting to rest and digest and be in connection with. And so that's how we solidify our community is by knowing, oh, you're safe to be around because we're singing together. Oh my God, that's so fascinating. Yes. Okay, wait, I have a side question. Please. Okay, so there's different types of music that evoke different emotions. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I mean, for me, the obvious connection to this that we're talking about is like singing happy music makes you feel happy. So like, what does singing sad music, emo music, screamo music, like what kinds of, how much does the genre play into how your body reacts? I think that's a really great question. And there, there is quite a bit of research on it that I have not fully um, read all of that, right? So I can uh-huh. just give you a little bit of what I kind of remember from my studies. And, sure. you know, the music has a way of, again, telling us that we're not alone in that feeling. So when we're feeling sad and we kind of want to listen to a sad song or some sad music, we're just telling ourselves, oh, that artist, that singer, they felt this emotion too. And so I'm not alone in this emotion. It 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 feels like it's not so heavy because we know somebody else has experienced that as well. Mm-hmm. But I think music in 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 different genres and different styles of music, that's probably a, more of a personal kind of uh, experience. Maybe somebody who wants to feel better will listen to a happier song. Somebody who wants to feel better will h- listen to a sadder song mm-hmm. or a different type of genre. Um, but, you know, music has been used in so many different ways, um, you know, f- for protests, to bring people together. But also music has been used as propaganda and, and other like evil things too. So, you know, music is so powerful that we can really decide how we want to utilize it. And my hope is that we just utilize it as a way to come together and to share with one another that, you know, we are all living this human experience that is very heavy sometimes and very difficult to understand. Um, and that we can use music as a way to express all of the complex emotions that we go through to, again, just say that you're not alone. Mm. You are not alone. <laughs> <laughs> I am here with you. <laughs> <laughs> Going back to how the colonizer has tried to silence us mm. and dampen our voices, I think a lot a lot of us to the point where we cannot even recognize our voice and what that may mean to someone who might be tuning in, um, who's like, what does that even mean? Like, how do I know my voice is my voice? Or like, what are some ways that we can identify or um, even just find the courage to share our voice? Yes, that is, that's the question, right? <laughs> how, <laughs> how do we get there? Because um, 
we've gotten as a whole, right? Maybe not as individuals, but as a whole, I think we've gotten really comfortable with being playing small mm-hmm. and and kind of sticking to our our comfort zone, especially when it comes to the voice. Um, and I think it really comes down to something as as basic, but as profound as breath, mm. returning to our breath, because the voice only can operate when you have strong breath support. Mm. So if you aren't breathing very well or it's shallow, the voice can become very tired. Um, The voice can fall into a a range where it can be quite, um, I don't want to say damaging in a a very, uh, you know, but it can be damaging if you're talking down here and you kind of call that vocal fry. It's <laughs> the best. You've heard that, you know, when you're getting really tired. Yeah. <laughs> and it just, it feels tense and tight and people start to lose their voices. So the body will literally give you signs, right? That we aren't using our voice when we're, when we're, you know, dehydrated and, you know, <laughs> it, we, we get sore throats and maybe our neck is tight. Um, There's so many signs that are saying you have a lot to express and, and you deserve to express it. Right. And so um, I think really it comes down to taking time to breathe, to take full deep breaths, allowing the body to fill with air and then practicing just hearing your own voice. Um, and that's the, a lot of the work that I do with clients is just creating a safe container for folks to make sound and to not judge the sound that they hear. Mm. Because we get so used to thinking in our heads and not saying things out loud that when we start to speak out loud, it scares ourselves. Mm. Ah. So what... Okay, thinking about the folks who are listening to this episode right now, they might be saying to themselves, uh, this is super cool. This is amazing. This is a lot to absorb. What do you feel might be one thing that you hope our listeners will do at home after listening to this episode to heal or to like advocate for the community using their voice? I would say start to create a fun, playful relationship with your voice Mm. (gasps) because that's what singing ultimately is, is the pleasurable aspect of using your voice. And so whatever safe container you can find for yourself, whether it's your car, your shower, your bedroom, a closet, I don't know, (laughs) wherever (laughs) you can find where you can fully sing and enjoy yourself with whatever music you like to listen to. And that right there is a practice in and of itself. Mm. Yes, absolutely. And it it makes me think of, um, I used to, I always used to talk up here. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, I had an acting teacher um when I first started acting, she made us get up on stage and um, we had to find, she's like, this is how you're going to find your, your, 
your actual voice. You got to go, uh-huh. And I was like, uh, what? <laughs> My <laughs> voice is that. quite lower than like I've been speaking mm-hmm. for most of, for for all of my life up until this point. Mm-hmm. So I was like, uh-huh. Uh-huh. You know what's funny <laughs> is that for I think for men, mm. they speak much lower than their actual voice perhaps. Mhm. Mm. I found that to be true for myself sometimes. I'm like, depending on where I was in my life, <laughs> my it's voice so would true. just be like artificially lower. I guess it also depends on who you're talking to. It's I weird. noticed that when I was going through grad school and um, all most of my peers were, were male and my teacher was male. And I would find myself lowering my voice just to be taken seriously. Mm. <gasps> ah! So there, the voice is... It, communicate so much to us it signals so much you can talk really high and not be very grounded and then you can also overdo and that's that's kind of like i don't know if you're familiar with the elizabeth holmes um tv show um but it's based on on the lives and the story of elizabeth holmes and we don't need to get on all of that but literally she lowered her voice um again i think to be taken seriously and so you know the voice is just it's an instrument so there's no right or wrong or bad way to use it but it is signaling to other folks a, a certain kind of um character that that you're putting out there. But I think the most important thing is that, again, you are supporting it with air and then being able to use it in a range where it's not harming your voice and it's not, um, you know, creating any more tension or or pain so that you can use your voice for the rest of your life. Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Yes to, like, acknowledging range just like on a like a a singing situation moment I -hmm. feel like I grew up like having to sing Whitney Houston all the time to prove my worth as a vocalist (laughs) right okay yeah but you can sing (laughs) uh, but 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 I will say I like listening back to my voice I feel like even if I could like reach those notes there is something about it that didn't quite feel authentic to to myself as a as crystal and and also as artist mm-hmm. and so Dustin and I actually recorded um a cover together like a couple months ago and I told him like I want to sing lower <laughs> I mm-hmm. want to sing like in a lower range because I'm always like trying to do this <laughs> like but there's something about my my husband told me like your voice sounds really good when it's like when you're just chilling and I'm like you know what yeah because I don't I don't need to like prove my voice to anyone else I just want to be my voice and so yes it's so interesting how it is an instrument and also very very much telling of like what has been placed upon us and we're back to (laughs) we're back to it it's like you got to find your voice and like own it and use it to just be you. Mm-hmm. And being you is already such an amazing contribution to this world. And I think yes. we, we forget that Absolutely. so often. Mm-hmm. 
And that's why I call the voice the a soul, our soul's unique frequency, <gasps> because I truly believe it is just this, it's this vibration that is unique to us that communicates our soul, like on a, on a soul level. And it, that also comes from the breath, right? Um, I'm a believer that like breath is part of our soul, our spirit. Um, inspiration comes from taking a breath. And so by taking a breath and allowing that vibration to pass through our, our vocal folds and to phonate for other people to hear, that is, again, magic. <laughs> mm. Amazing food for thought. Um, I have one final question as we close out for you, Kiki. Um, very quickly, top three karaoke songs your go-to. Like, what are they? <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's going to be like, what? Um, so I grew up singing a lot of country music. I'm a big Dolly Parton fan. So <gasps> just- Ooh, nice. Um, anything by the Dixie Chicks? <laughs> yes. Oh, sorry. I should rephrase that. The chicks, they mm-hmm. are not. Uh yeah, they right. named um, their their band, yeah. My apologies. Yes, The Chicks. I'm glad that they changed that. Um and oh, what would be my third? Oh, um Son of a Preacher Man by Dusty Ooh, Springfield. Classic. <laughs> yes. Great great Solid. choices. Solid choices. Oh my goodness. Thank you. Well, thank ah. you so much for hanging out with us, Dr. Kiki. Me searchers, remember to follow Dr. Kiki at decolonizing underscore Kiki. That's decolonizing underscore K-I-K-I. And check out her website. And maybe book a coaching session with her at www.decolonizingkikillc.com. Yes, I will be doing that myself. <laughs> Oh, expect an email, Kiki, because I really want to, I really do want to take a lesson with you and, and connect, connect. Oh, yes. We will have so much fun. Ooh, I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm excited. So everyone do the same. (laughs) And thank you so much for a wonderful convo. This was Dr. Kiki Steiner. And thank you all for tuning in. Don't forget, be a me searcher. Follow us at me search podcast and check us out online at me searchpodcast.com. As always, we're going to get to the bottom of things. This is me search, folks. Woo! Woo! <laughs> yeah.